Hello and good evening and welcome back. Um, thank you for joining me on this podcast on religions, regimes and refugees and their multicultural mess and secular scam. Uh, it is an absolute honor to have you here. I'm very grateful for your presence and taking for you taking the time to, 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 to listen to my podcast. We are on the... Uh, on the series on, on Christianity. And um, I just want to finish off the last podcast on Christianity today. It is a very short chapter um, and we'll go from here. And uh, hopefully you will get a better idea of Christianity. Uh, there are different aspects of it. It is vast. Uh, but this is just a short um interpretation of Christianity, the best way I can do it. Uh, and I, I hope you can and uh, do your research yourself. Uh, if you have any questions, you're most welcome to contact me. And in the meanwhile, we're going to start this chapter and finish off with it today. And uh, thank you for taking the time. I hope you have your paper and pen ready and we'll go from there. So we're going to talk on, on this, the life after Jesus uh, passed away or, or was crucified. Um, and the first few centuries uh, do not resemble the Christianity of today. Um, the Jesus movement, as it was, it's known now, is sort of a, a movement uh, in what the U.S. president, the former U.S. president Donald Trump, would call in modern times, drain the swamp, so to speak. That's what what Jesus was trying to do. Basically, he was trying to drain the swamp, the establishment of uh, of of garbage of of corruption of uh, um you know hardcore um basically corrupt uh, Sanhedrin and the establishment of its time um, across the board. A bunch of hard-code Judean traditionalist clerics of the ruling class, who would be termed today as the establishment, controlled the land in conjunction with the Roman Empire, who ruled over an area from uh, 63 BCE onwards. Uh, once Jesus was crucified by the Romans under the watch of the Israelite high priest, his disciples went into hiding. Crucifixion was the Roman Empire's version of penalty for rebels and traitors. Preaching a loyalty to a kingdom other than Rome was considered blasphemy, which meant death. The small group disbanded and went in different ways. The movement against the ruling swamp when underground in houses, caves, passageways. The early Christians had many codes to communicate with each other. In order to recognize the other, one of the codes they used was to draw a one side of the symbol of the fish on the ground in the sand. The opposite person would draw the other side of the fish. Duality. But the fish was a symbol of this duality of... Um, of what Jesus says, we're all equal. The uh, the fingers, two fingers pointing at you, and the three fingers pointing at me. We're all equal, and and this duality, this this uh, commonality that there's there's nothing that divides us. We are the same. Uh, no barriers, no labels. Uh, this was this was. Um, his message, uh, remove the labels, understand what's below the labels, and understand where currents and waves. Um, and your, it's your duty to understand the atwa, all that lies in between. Um, and, and this was basically what uh, 
uh, the first century, first couple of centuries, the early early Christian movement or the early Jesus movement was persecuted to its ultimate. Um, and um, because of the persecution, they went underground in small passages and basements in, in hiding and, and got together in gatherings um, to, to speak, to discuss and to rise up against the swamp. Um, and that was basically how it's, it, it carried on. Uh, the early Christian Jesus movement would eventually take on concepts of rule from the Greeks, that is the church, from the concept of ecclesia. So ecclesia, which meant meeting of free people of the region or province. Okay, So the church comes from the Greek concept of ecclesia, uh, which people who are free to meet um, and, and gather together, and over, an overseer, someone who oversees this movement, meant a bishop. Who, who oversaw a province or diocese. So very often in Christianity, you'll see uh, Christianity on the ground. The church will have a diocese. That means sort of a district uh, where the, the church that looks after the congregation or, or speaks to the congregation, and they're overlooked by a bishop. It reached far and wide places such as Britain, Africa, India. This early group had administrative leaders, but they had no central authority or a Vatican. This resistance movement grew underground for two to three centuries. However, it is important to note that this movement was not Christian in any way whatsoever. It was a Hebrew movement, a Yehud movement, um, a Yehuda movement, as it's called in, in Hebrew, or what we call today as progressives or conservatives, uh, Tea Party movement, someone who who, who uh, broke out on their own, um, you know, modern day progressives. Today, um, that's what they call. So that was the early Christian movement. It was sort of progressive in their outlook um, and and rebel against the establishment on the ground. Like the conservative Tea Party in America, the Judeans, Christians, or Messianic Jews believed that they were conserving the real principles of the original laws of Moses. So they believed that the original uh, laws of Moses were free-flowing metaphysical energy to understand, to build, to evolve, to challenge, to talk, to discuss, and not to be suffocating, feudal, uh, repressive ideology where you force people onto the ground, or force people to submit to you. And, and like the conservative, and this was the real uh, um, theology of Moses. So like the, the American, the conservative party movement, um, uh, the, the early Judaic movement, believed that they were conserving these real principles of the original laws of Moses. Internally, there were various groups, subgroups and sub-subgroups, which produced a whole set of another problems. The early Christians were charged with a crime of atheism, meaning non-belief or Greek atheos, uh, from, a, from a, that means without, theos means God. So atheos without God. And so atheism, 
because the real religion, the real ideology was the Judaic ideology. They were considered the only true ideology of its time. And, any, and they were the only true believers in God. The other, all other people were pagans. So, that, so anyone who did not believe in this Hebrew ideology was considered atheos uh, from the Greek word because this was an area colonized by the Greeks at one point. The refusal to submit to the religious authorities, which was a threat to the empire. Hence, they were executed in public places like ones we see in Saudi Arabia today. If a Christian was persecuted, he became a martyr or he died for the cause. Something we see again in Islam, all borrowed from the Israelite culture. This probably occurred in all ancient empires too. Their stories were told and retold as propaganda from the movement of the eventual church. Um, uh, this, the martyrs went on to become folk heroes and they would eventually go on to become saints. Some researchers tend to be of the thought that this massive persecutions of the early G uh, Jesus movement um, had no basis and was conjured up by later Christian churches to sell a propaganda, but historical sources do not really show widespread blanket persecution of the new resistance movement. At first, all Judeans did not agree with the resistance movement, but it was the Gentiles and the non-Judeans who wanted to join to become with and by the end of the first century, these Gentiles became the dominant members of, the, of this movement of Christianoi. It's called uh, the followers of Christ. So I'll repeat that word. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-O-I. -I. So these were Gentiles. Uh, Gentiles were people from uh, who were non-Judeans, who were not from the province of Judea. They were sort of low-class citizens are considered uh, discriminated against by the Judeans, the province of Judea, who were considered themselves pure and, you know, elite. Um, they who wanted to join, to become with, uh, join with this new moment to go against the establishment because they were discriminated against this establishment. Um, it would make sense as the Gentiles were the ones, uh, sorry, they want, so they were the ones who wanted to join, um, although they didn't agree in the beginning. And then after that, they became the dominant members of this movement. Uh, it would make sense as the Gentiles, like I said, were the ones who were the most marginalized by the Orthodox Israelite establishment. It was Paul who was a party a member of the party of the Pharisees who said he experienced the revelation and of the resurrected Jesus. He changes his name from Saul to Paul. He founded many of the early Christian groups. He was the one who mentions that Jesus would return and usher a new kingdom of God. Um, when Christ never, when Jesus never returns, the next generation of the early Reformation leaders turn to his writings to continue this movement, where, from where the now concept of Christianity really takes off. Jesus then becomes an object of worship and is used as a propaganda machine. We see the use of the concept of the Trinity that takes the formation towards the end of the second century. The Trinity means one God but three forms, God the Father or the Creator, 
um, the Son of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's a metaphor, like the concept of incarnation, which translates to the principle of the universe constantly transforming to become flesh. Um, so I'm going to uh, explain the Trinity movement over here. Uh, Trinity is very, very simple. Uh, I grew up with the Trinity coming from the Roman Catholic uh, section of society. Uh, and basically, the Trinity is, is a very simple concept. It's commonly expressed as a statement that says, one God exists and he has three equally divine qualities or uh, avatars. He, he, he comes to you in avatars, in, in different forms, reincarnation. That means the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Actually, it's a scientific term. Now, if you are Hindu or you come from India, you will recognize the Trinity. It comes from the uh, Vedic concept of Trimurti. Shiva, um, I, I completely forgot the Trimurti. Uh, let me just Trimurti. So the Trimurti is, is very um, easy. Um, the three significant forms of the Brahman. Bra uh, Brahman means Braham, Br Brahman, uh, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. So Brahma is the creator. Okay, uh, you have the creator Brahma, which is Brahma is the Vedic Sanskrit term for the creator. Okay, Shiva and Vishnu. Uh, there are three deities, three concepts that are key aspects of the ultimate reality. That means the ultimate uh, creator who controls the uh, cosmos and the controls uh, space, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the three murti means three comes from three three forms. Um, so like I said, Brahma, the creator, Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, this is the destroyer. Now, if you understand science or you understand geomagnetics or electromagnetics, you understand that at our core, we are, elect we are duality, electromagnetic waves, okay? We're made of two particles, metaphysical and physical. So the physical is uh, our particles of dust, Particles, atoms, molecules, and each atom has a charge. Each molecule has a charge, has an electric charge. Okay, and this electric charge is negative and positive. And you have the magnetic. So it has a magnetic charge, which is gravitational. It, it, it there's gravity and it attracts. And you have an electric charge that is. Um, negative and positive. In order for people to understand this science, they would have transferred it into parables. These parables became ritualistic and become theologies, became ideologies, and now we have religion. But it's actually at its source a simple science. So Vishnu, the preserver, Shiva, the destroyer, that means negative and positive, Brahma, the creator, which is uh, creator, is the magnetic, uh, is is the the magnetic field um, and basically that's all it is it it's a science and that's what all if you understand um, if you if you understand uh, electromagnetics you can uh, go onto my Facebook page you have electromagnetism 101 by National Geographic Google it YouTube it and you will see what it is it's it's the same all these are the source we are uh, electromagnetic field and 
every single pyramid on this earth, okay, is telling us the same story. It was important in the previous civilizations to understand the source of civilization, the science behind the human, the cosmos, the cosmic makeup of the human, uh, of the species of life. And at our, at our source, we are the cosmos. And you have to understand the cosmos. And that's why you have all these pyramids. Uh, and basically that was converted into different parables by different civilizations. The Vedic civilization has the three multi, the uh, Egyptian civilization also had the Great Pyramids, we talked about it, um, and the Christian civilization has the Trinity. So basically they try to explain the science in a parable form. God the Father, who, God the Father, so the Father is the creator of, of all things, he, and, and he has the Son and the Holy Spirit, and this is reincarnated generation after generation after generation. So the creator cannot come to you, the sun cannot come to you, or the divine cannot come to you, whatever you, however you want to say it. Uh, but he, he is the cosmic, he is cosmic energy. And this cosmic energy has evolved, and this cosmic energy has photosynthesized over the billions of years, and metamorphosized, to give us life forms, and this life form then produces, uh, metamorphosizes into species of life, and the species of life then further uh, give us the, the multiple uh, species, the man, the human, the animal, the amphibian, um, mammals, everything, but at the core, we're still the cosmos, and we all a cosmic energy field, and every cycle is an avatar. It's it's a continuous cycle. So you in your DNA, you've got billions of years of history of packets of data, and they all come from the same source. We're all equal. The labels don't make a difference. The form is not important. The cosmic cycle, the cosmic energy, and the chakras that make you up is the most important. And that, myself, my friend, is in Christian theology, uh, explained in the form of Trinity. It's a parable. It's not a real concept. It's a parable. The Trinity does not find itself in the Bible, but it's basically uh, a concept that was added later on to explain this parable to the human. Um, of course, it became religious, and now everyone thinks that if it's religious, and if you don't, if you don't like it, it's hate speech, it's phobia, it's racism. Oh my God, it's it just ridiculous. Uh, when we were young, as children, we were taught, taught very clearly: it's a metaphor, it's not a real thing. God does not have a fa uh, a wife and a and a son and a and a mother. God, God, it, it is just a metaphor for you to understand that God cannot come to you in in physical form. So he, it's reincarnation, and his son is the same energy as his father. Uh, that's Jesus is the son of God. He's he's same energy, and and his energy also comes to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. But it's basically a scientific concept. And the concept of son of God, it's a metaphor, like I said, where every person and that time had to show some connection to the divine in order to have legitimacy to control the administration of the land. So there you have it, very simple trinity. Uh, I'm sure it's not as easy for people who, who are not used to it, but uh, you can Google it, the trinity. It's very, very simple. As I said, it's a metaphor. Um... So let's go back to the history of its time. 
like I said, um, this is all basically uh, second and third centuries uh, AD after Jesus. Uh, one of the groups that existed uh, during this time was called the Ebonites, which means poor derived from the Hebrew Ebo, Ebin, sorry, Ebonim, so E-B-Y-O-N-I-M. They regarded Jesus as the Messiah or the Anointed One, but rejected the virgin birth and the divinity of Jesus. They accepted James, the brother of Jesus, as their brother, and they used part of the Gospel of Matthew, but rejected Paul. They sought to separate themselves from the orthodoxy of the, of the Temple of Jerusalem and are mentioned in the documents of Qumran. Uh, as the early Judean movement grew, administrators uh, of, the Juda of these Judean rebels later institutionalized the concept of one belief, which was opposite of the heresy Greek for choice. Um, uh, that means the other um, groups had a choice to be who they wanted to be, the locals on the ground, the tribes, the Arabic, Arabic lands at those times, the desert, was all about nomadic people. And nomadic people was all about choice. You, you do what you want. You roam where you want. Uh, the land belongs to everyone and no one at the same time. You have to respect others. You have to respect everyone around you. And there's no boundaries, no labor. This was a fixed ideology as the Hebrew ideology before them. You had to believe in it. You had to submit. You had to believe. You had to, had to, had to. And anyone, uh, they had one belief and anyone uh, who opposed them was called heretic. Um, anyone who opposed, like I said, this ideology was labeled as a heretic and removed from this movement. So it's very suffocating, feudalistic, uh, what we call a socialist Marxist today. Anyone who opposed, um, it's very similar to what Islam does today, where they say that the Quran is the real true scripture of God and its final scripture. Anyone who does not submit is an infidel, which in ancient Christian times was the same as the pagan in Greek. Basically a story of the pot calling the kettle black. So, uh, you see, all this, today we see it in Islam, but it also existed in Christianity um, at the, in the early times. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, absolutely ridiculous. It's all about power. Um, and it was practiced by the early um, Christian movements or different movements and the, the administrators of... Uh, the early Christian movement and its its theologians, which is absolutely ridiculous, but suffocated people, and that's why people went the other direction. Uh, but Jesus never asked for us to have one identity, to have one theology, to have one opinion. He was not about that at all. He has nothing to do with the church. The church was a political power who used them in order to go forward and 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 run their agenda. He was all about removing the labels, removing this imposition by um, removing this imposition and really being free of thought, not having anyone submit to the other and which leads us to um, which leads us to this this suffocation and this authority and this uh, these empires but he was about he said remove the labels and and be free and he never converted anyone. 
no one. So this uh, suffocation is, is really not Jesus. They've basically been using him in order to run their agenda, so to speak. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, it is important for me also to talk uh, at this point about... Um, sorry, uh, Qumran. I mentioned Qumran. And Qumran is basically a, a region in... Um, Qumran is a region in... Um, Israel and it's a place where they found early people early, uh, an Arab Bedouin found material uh, should I say jars with old writings, old gospels for uh, from the time of Jesus and he found this in, in 1947 and it was an absolute find, okay? So a Bedouin goat herder by the name of Muhammad Ahmed El Ahmed, belonging to the Tam Tamira tribe, found several manuscripts in a limestone cave in Qumran, Israel. I mentioned before, I'll just uh, say it again. They were shown to the Mar Samuel Monastery of Mark in, in, Sina um, in April of 1947. Subsequent... Uh, archaeological finds and excavation over decades found about 800 to 1,000 more documents forming parts of biblical and non-biblical text. A French Dominican monk by the name of Father Roland de Vaux led further excavations from around from, from that found a, a Qumran community existed in the area. The Qumran community served as a small administrative administrative center. Uh, assembly place and burial site until 6980 when the Romans destroyed the area and the Jews had to flee. It also could have served as a Roman outpost and then as a Jewish stronghold until the second revolt uh, of the Hebrews of the Judeans against the Roman Empire in 132 to 135 AD. The identity of the people who inhabited uh, the small community is debated. However, some researchers tend to believe they were essence. In Aramaic, uh, Hasaya means pious ones or the holy ones in Kedoshim. While they did not consider themselves essence only as holy ones, they believed their behavior was about imitating or following the mystical interpretation of the laws of Moses. They viewed life as finding the moral and spiritual balance between the sons of life and the sons of darkness. This journey would eventually climax into war of good over evil uh, by judgment day and, and a new creation. Okay, so basically these were the documents uh, found in Qumran by an Arab uh, Bedouin tribe, uh, tribal person who was um, taking his goats out to eat, to, uh, yeah, and feeding his goats. And um, it's very important, you can, um, you can Google the documents found in Qumran on, on the internet and have, uh, and, and take a look more deeper into, into this, uh, into this time. But this is basically what I was talking about were the documents from Qumran. So, um, I am going to continue this. 
Okay, um, and we're going to talk about something very important. We've talked about the first two, three centuries of, of the early Christian movement. Now we go to the th uh, third century, or the third century, the Edict of Milan was issued in in 313 CE, granting the Christ Jesus movement the right to legal assemble, legally assemble without fear or arrest of persecution. Christianity was able to openly establish itself and assemble with other cults and religious groups. Constantine is said to have later given the early Christians... Um, Constantine was... was um, sorry... Constantine is said to have later given the early Christians tax exemptions to construct places of worship, gatherings. Uh, he used the early uh, Ju Judaic uh, Jesus movement to unify the empire, which was divided into east and west. Um, in between, there were rebel movements, such as a preacher in Alexandria, Egypt, called Arius, who started the Arian movement, movement they believed that God was higher than Jesus. This caused riots in Europe, as the group of believers were not on the same terms as the church. In 325 AD, Constantine called the Council of Nicaea, all to confirm the relationship between God and Jesus. This is where the Trinity was confirmed as official concept by the now official church, Jesus was uh, an incarnation of God on earth and avatar in the same essence. Hence, Christianity was effectively a monoistic belief um, where we do not see God. He manifests himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. In 381 CE, all pagan cults were closed. Pagan temples and shrines were closed and some converted to Christian churches. The bishop of in Rome became the Pope by the 5th century, where the title still holds power till today. So basically, that is what Christianity is, uh, how it started. Um, and I, will, I hope you have a, a basic idea of where it comes from. Uh, a very important event in, in Christianity is, or should I say in Europe, where Christianity takes root and which, which Christ, where Christianity was born, uh, is called the Dark Ages. And people have uh, you know, blamed the Europeans for this, but I'm just going to go to the Dark Ages for you. As Christianity spreads all over the Roman Empire, the empire loses power. In 1453, in 1453, when the Turks took over Constantinople, the empire was officially terminated. However, in Europe, this time normally refers to the Middle Ages. It's a concept that comes from the Tuscan scholar Pet Petrarch in the, 13, in the 1400s. So it's not a real concept. It was an interpretation. It's used and used and used, and everyone thinks they know everything about the Dark Ages, but it's just gullible people repeating it and repeating it and, and no idea who started it. But it's actually a Tuscan scholar who, who, un who repeated it in the 1400s. And has, he had no idea of what was going on, and I don't think so, but he just narrated something and everyone repeated. Uh, in my opinion, the Dark Ages is an absolute myth. There doesn't exist Dark Ages, and I'll explain it to you. One also hears the term Dark Ages uh, marked by 
marked a time when there was no Holy Roman Emperor in the West. So the Dark Ages co coincide with the time where the Roman Empire uh, lo loses power. Okay, so the Roman Empire is is a huge empire from from Europe all the way to uh, Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. It's split into two: East and West, and the Western Roman Empire um, is uh, ceases to exist and. and and loses power, and it coincides with this time. Okay, so it's really an imperial thing of the the one one reason it's the imperial uh, concept where the Roman Empire on the Western Euro European Western Roman Empire com comes to a standstill, comes to an end. Um, so there's no Holy Roman Empire in the West at all. It it coincides with the time of the decline for the Roman civilization, which was seemed to be eternal but also a time when there were no records for all literature written or monuments constructed. The reason being simple, if the church allowed its citizens to know its literature was written outside the realms of the church authority, then it meant its subjects would not submit to its divinity and micromanaging of its citizens' life. Similarly, ancient buildings and monuments were mostly plagiarized from the Roman Empire. The knowledge of the construction kept secret by the church and put down as Christian. Uh, Christian meaning the Roman Empire. Thus basilicas, which really were Roman public gatherings, became a holy place of worship for the followers of the church. Every Roman province had a basilica. These were used as a court of law or tribunal or chamber of a king. It was also used for official and public functions. Art during this period was had to be associated with the church authority and no one else. Basically, the church had to micromanage everything its citizens did and believed in. Everything the church could not control became problematic. Hence, they took away the source of, of all that belonged to this era, especially if it predated the time of Christianity when it became official. An important point to note for the first centuries uh, before the Council of Nicosia is the fact that there were really no Christian images used for Jesus. Mary or the Apostles and Saints, the original Jesus movement was actually Judeans and Hebrews. They never did want to divert to another religious movement. The resistant movement that went on to be known as the early Christian movement was only looking for liberation against the ruling Roman Empire and the corrupt Israelite orthodoxy. They were looking for a way out of the suffocation put on them by the establishment. They needed a Jesus who could inspire them to regenerate their beleaguered lives. So the church seems to offer an image of Jesus that would please the females and the males in the in the movement. That is a man who has a feminine side. They were also hoping for the pagans who had who at that time lived along with the Christians and the Hebrews to convert eventually uh, to join their movement. Thus, they had to show an image of Jesus that pleased all parties. There was also the movement of the of Mitzrahim that the church was trying to convince to join for joining the church movement. Uh, each side was hoping to swap each other's followers and borrow the other's art and literature as well as well as the deities. They borrowed the concept of the halo around Jesus' head from the Roman de deity 
Apollo. The concept of angels came from the Roman's deity Nike, who who used who's also used in the old Greek religion as the goddess of victory. The concept of the Virgin Mary came from the Egyptian goddess or Isis, the goddess of fertility. So in reality, there's no real dark ages. It's a myth. Okay. It was only put down in in the 1400 and 1480 to, to understand a concept that was, uh, almost uh, a thousand years uh, before and there was no internet to go back during this time just writings and and because some person said dark ages everyone repeats it like gullible uh, monkeys uh, even monkeys have more intelligence really it's basically the Roman Empire the Western European Empire who comes to a standal, standstill and who comes to a halt and basically um, all its writings of this era now plagiarized are taken by the, the church. The church then goes, um, colonizes all of this architecture, uh, writings, literature, puts its name on it and, and sort of micromanages everything, every writing, every literature, every book, uh, every, any school, every education institution, make sure it controls their mind and controls the academia of its time in order to consolidate its power, which is exactly what people do today. States do. They control the academia and they control the media to control and micromanage and engineer the society on the ground. This is exactly what the Romans, the early Christian movement did, should I say not the early Christian, the Roman Christian movement did, and a time, um, and this coincided with the time that the Roman, the Western European Empire comes to standstill, and this because there is no, um, there really is uh, no um, um, literature that predates the church and the church has taken everything it's seen as the dark ages because they have no proof or no um they have no uh no literature to go on but if you open the vatican walls i can guarantee you you're going to find a lot of things in there so people say there was no architecture, no building, everything. The Romans, the Europeans absolutely were ignorant. It was the Muslims who came and gave it back to them. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so let's go and see some of the early churches uh, that were built or taken over um, during the Middle Ages. Okay, And to show that, yes, there was there was uh, academia that it was only colonized by the European Christian movement, but there was academia, there was science, there was knowledge, everything was going on. You cannot, land is not flat, the earth is not flat. We are currents and waves. You can't stop the waves and say, okay, that's a dark wave and this is a white wave. It's going to continue. So you cannot stop anything and say, oh, that part of the waves is dark ages. So let's look at the uh, architecture that continued during this time. The Basilica di Santa uh, Sabina Avento in, in Rome, completed in 432 CE. Basilica di Santa Mag Maggiore in Rome, 5th AD. The Basilica Roman Romana Minore Collegita, um, I can't pronounce it, 379 to 386. The Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, 532 to 537, the Basilica, uh, the Santa Apollinare in, in class, in classic, completed in 788, 
St. Mark's Basilica, Venice construction begins in 1063. The cathedral, the Monorail in Sicily, completed 1267. The Basilica di Santa Clemente al Laterano, completed in 1123. Uh, the cathedral, Notre Dame de Strasbourg, completed in 1015. Um, cathedral Notre Dame de Chartres, built in 1145 to 1220. Uh, Church of Saint Vitale, built 527 to 547. The Abbey of Saint Gaul in the city of Saint Galen, Switzerland, 747. The Basilica in Kalb, Lush, Syria, built around 460. Here are some more um, ch churches um, that were built or taken over and and um, and completed um, in in the uh, during what is called as the mid of the mid of uh, of the Dark Ages. Um, Santa Sabrina in Rome, Italy, 422. Santa Giovanni Evangelista. Ravina, Italy, 424. Santa Maria, we talked about that. In Greek, uh, in Greece, uh, Church of Aquilor Piotis, 450 to 470. The Santa Stefano Rotondo, Rome, Italy, 455. Santa Agata di Gotti, Rome, 460. The Sentence Basilica, 420 to 465. The Bolsini, Bolnisi Sioni, Georgia, uh, 479 to 493. Santa Prisca, Rome, Italy, 4th or 5th century. The Little Hagia Sophia, Istanbul, 527. Um, San Sofia, Bulgaria, we have that, the 4th century, completed uh, 527, 565. Um, the Basilica of St. Servetius, uh, Netherlands, 550. Dranda Cathedral, 550 to 560. The Domitian Theodokis Church, uh, Albania, 6th century. You have the Givari Monastery uh, in Georgia, 590 to 604. The, Ma the Ma St. Martin's Church, um, United Kingdom, 597. The Church of St. Apostles, Peter and Paul, Serbia, 6th century. Chapel di San Paolo Frutesco. Portugal 656, uh, Juan Bautista um, in Spain 661, San Mar Santa Maria in Melk, uh, Spain 668, and we can go on and on and on and on. Uh, look, it hasn't stopped. Building didn't stop. Architecture did not stop. Um, and all, for all this architecture, for all this building, you need math, you need science, you need physics, uh, you need the laws, uh, laws of physics. You can't build these monuments that have lasted uh, almost 1,500 years and say, well, there was, uh, and, and think that there was no mats, it was just made of straws and bricks and bamboo sticks. You can't say that. Uh, and for those who say the Dark Ages, the dark, it's a myth. Uh, these people built these churches because the currents don't stop and neither do the waves. And when the waves of Islamic immigrants or refugees came from the Middle East when when Islam started, they were the one. They went to to 
to, to Europe and they got the information, the knowledge from the Europeans. It's very much like we all go to countries that are first world today. We come to North America, we go to Europe, we go to South America, we, sorry, we go to Australia. Why? Because they have more knowledge to us. We can't say we invented that knowledge. We can't say we gave them the knowledge. We can't say we go there to give them, uh, to, to, to teach them because if we had so much of knowledge, we wouldn't go somewhere. We only go when we need something. And the place where we go has more knowledge than where we come from. And so we integrate and over time we rise up and then we forget what is, who has given it to us, who, who have, uh, who has given us this this knowledge and then we say oh well uh oh, it's racism they don't like us we give them so much no we don't give people something when we go to another land it's the land who gives us a second chance to use an, our human capital and evolve and so it was europe who gave the muslim the islamic movement the knowledge uh, they were already developed. The uh, Islamic first century, second century were refugees because there was a lot of turbulence in, in, in the Arab world, as usual. And this was given to them. Uh, this knowledge was already held by the uh, Europeans and, and as every civilization, they shared it with the others. Um, and Islam takes this... Uh, the, the Muslims on the ground takes this over. They then become part of the uh, of the academia on this land. They 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 become part of the learning curve. They rise to power, and what they do is they burn all the books, like how Christians did for the Romans. Now the next generation comes, and they burn any book that doesn't have the Quranic name on it. And when Europeans came back, the cycle turned, and then afterwards they asked. The Europeans are looking for knowledge. The Renaissance movement is looking for knowledge. All they find is Quranic documents, Arabic documents. But where did the Arabs get the documents? From the Europeans themselves. And so they say, Islam gave Europe the, the knowledge of the science. I'm sorry, it's not true. Europe never lost the, the document. Europe never lost the information, never lost its science, never lost its archaeological uh, jewels. Um, but transferred it and given it, given it to other people who completely forgot and refused to acknowledge where they got it from and labeled the whole region as, whole time period as uh, the Dark Ages, which is an absolute myth. Uh, I stand by this. I am not going to go down. Um, I'm not going to change it because history shows completely otherwise what the Dark Ages were uh, or the myth of the Dark Ages. And that's basically my take on things. I will leave it at here uh, at this. I thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have an understanding of Christianity before Jesus Christ, the geographical area of G of the Levant of Judea, uh, the turbulence that existed, the Jesus movement, uh, the political movement during its time, um, the geography, the geology that caused all these problems of the Levant, and how the Jesus movement then later on continues. Uh, with his family and with the um, locals of the land and then joining with Rome and finally taking over the Roman Empire. So uh, basically that's what it is. Uh, this ends the chapter of Christianity for me.
um, I just have to say something that this this is called in modern times, this history, Judea Christian history is called biblical. So anytime you hear the concept of biblical, biblical time, biblical uh, literature, biblical, it all means Judeo-Christian. So you're looking at a time period from Abraham, or should I say from the Sinai desert when Moses was born, all the way up to the Christian era, all literature coming out of this, all archaeology coming out of this is biblical. Uh, and you will hear this concept many times. Uh, remember it, understand it, Google it, share this with your friends, share these podcasts with your friends, have that discussion, understand uh, the atua, all that lies in between the currents that form our waves today, and have that conversation with five people. Ask them to have it each with five people each, and so this conversation can continue and continue and continue. Google as much as you want, research as much as you want. Uh, Don't hold anything back, and hopefully we can all heal. So thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great day and a great evening.